And this time on Culture File, The Bird Life of Essex. For our Naturalist Bookshelf episodes, Paddy Woodworth has been assembling a shelf, could be two by now, of essential nature writing. To this point, groaning as the shelf is, he has not added a standard, some say the gold standard nature book, J.A. Baker's 1967 The Peregrine. So this time, Paddy fixes that, even if, as he explains now, he had his reasons. Inflated expectations from superb reviews can ruin pleasure in a book. And perhaps, maybe, that is why I had, until now, held off reading J.A. Baker's The Peregrine, rated by so many nature lovers as both essential and unique, if not indeed sacred. But then I did begin to feel that this naturalist bookshelf was a little bare without it. However, I confess to another reason. I thought the central theme, a misanthropic loner on the featureless Essex coast following wintering falcons so obsessively that he claims to have become half man, half hawk, was not only daunting, but distinctly dodgy. And this perhaps betrays some of my prejudices, because I have embraced Carlos Castaneda's account of a Native American shaman flying with ravens while high on peyote. I'm a devotee of Herman Hesse's half-lupine Steppenwolf, high on God knows what. But here I was, denying poetic license to an Englishman, high on fresh air. From the first few sentences of Baker's imaginatively reworked field notes, I realized how much I had been missing. The hardest thing of all, he writes at the outset, is to see what is really there. And he goes on to show us No, not tell us, show us what is really there in a way that no one had done before, nor, despite many imitators, has ever quite done again. Baker gives us the plumage, sounds and jizz of birds and animals with finely grained precision, coupled with an unsentimental, if often ecstatic, vision. Many of his paragraphs have the rich density of standalone prose poems but his urgent daily hunger to find a peregrine drives the unlikely narrative forward relentlessly. Detailed descriptions of landscapes are tedious, Baker also writes early on, and he promptly proves himself quite wrong, even in Essex. But he is not describing here. He is painting with elegant strokes, often brief and direct, sometimes with an elaborate calligraphy. He reveals a dazzling spectrum of light on ploughed earth and flowing tides, on salt marsh, on hornbeams and elms, on hedgerow and on cloud banks. When this acute perception of the miracle of the everyday focuses on a particular bird or animal at a particular moment, the illumination is breathtaking. The subtlety with which he perceives and communicates variations in colour, is uncanny, all the more so for a man who had very poor eyesight. The impression that this book is solely about peregrine falcons is misleading. The text is studded with glowing vignettes of many creatures. He conjures a nightjar's churring nocturnal song, like the sound of a stream of wine spilling from a height into a deep and booming cask. It is an odorous sound with a bouquet that rises to the quiet sky. And if you've never heard a nightjar, 
you've surely seen a blackbird, but perhaps never as Baker sees it. Yellow-billed, staring with bulging crocus eye, like a small mad Puritan with a banana in its mouth. A caveat. If you are not familiar with wetland birds, his detailed portraits of widgeon and woodcock, goosander and greenshank may seem obscure, though hopefully they may still enchant you. And if you do already know these birds, you will relish Baker's quirky but sharp observations. I had a recurrent sense of delighted, surprised recognition reading these passages. A sensation of, yes, that's it. And how did that never strike me before? And yes, the iconic peregrine falcon pulses through this fauna-rich landscape as a dramatic dominant par, scattering thousands of birds to kill just one, or play, yes play, with another. Baker observed hunting techniques that amaze even readers familiar with this hawk, and a minority of experts have indeed questioned his veracity. Equipped only with a bicycle and 1960s binoculars and telescope, Baker makes us intimate with the idiosyncratic daily behaviour of several individual falcons. Perhaps influenced by Ted Hughes, he makes plain the bloodiness of killing. But his accounts of the falcon's mastery of the air are much more joyful and celebratory than Hughes' poems. Nevertheless, Baker wrote under a triple shadow, not counting his own chronic ill health. When he published in 1967, the peregrine was on the verge of extinction in the UK, so there is often an elegiac tone. A massive new airport was planned right beside his beat, and the global threat of nuclear warfare, while never mentioned directly, haunts the text. Happily, the peregrine's decline has since been reversed through the banning of the pesticide DDT, and the airport project was shelved. But the coast Baker loved now faces climate challenges that the author could hardly have imagined. We learn nothing of Baker's jealously guarded personal life. His exceptional observational and literary skills pitch us headlong into his intense experience of wild creatures. But did he really, as he claims, develop some kind of mutual relationship with individual peregrines? By the last magical page, I'm inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt. Paddy Woodworth there with his latest addition to the Naturalist Bookshelf, J.A. Baker's The Peregrine. Check out the other volumes on Paddy's shelf at the Culture Files SoundCloud page and tell us via Twitter what your unmissable volume of nature writing is. That's at Culture File Pod.